We're going to take a break from Psalm 27 today and wrap up this Psalm, Lord willing, next Sunday. But today I wanted to address what we have seen happen on the news over this last week in the murder of George Floyd and the senseless deaths of police officers trying to protect communities against the looting across our country. And what has taken place ought to cause us to be angry and to mourn and to serve as a reminder that racism is real, it does exist, and it is sinful. And I believe the loudest voices on the subject of racism should be followers of Jesus Christ. You know, the two greatest commandments that Jesus Christ gives us in his word in Matthew 22, 37 through 40 was to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul and to and your mind and to love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus said that these two commandments are the foundation in regard to what we believe and how we live. You know, Salem Chapel's mission statement is worded very intentionally. It says, we exist to glorify God by making and mobilizing disciples who represent the gospel to every man, woman, and child. This has been our mission statement before the tragic events of this past week and will continue to be when the social media posts and news fade. You know, the word represent means to speak and act on delegated authority. And this mission to share the good news of Jesus Christ with every man, woman, and child and to make and mobilize disciples of Jesus who do the same is not news-driven, event-driven, or man-driven. It is a God-given and driven mandate on how we love God and love our neighbor as ourselves. The Lord has called his people to lament and mourn when we see sin, including sins of injustice. Romans 12, 15 says, rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. He's called us to be angry when sin takes place. And it's good to react to sin, but not according to CNN, MSNBC, Fox News, Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter, but rather according to God's word as a Christ follower. Ephesians 4, 26 says, be angry and do not sin. But what I don't want us to lose sight of is this reality that we are also called to act. We are called according to 2 Corinthians 5, 19 and 20 to be messengers of reconciliation. 2 Corinthians 5, 19 and 20 says that God has entrusted to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. And this message of reconciliation that we've been entrusted with is the gospel of Jesus Christ. So when John 3.16 says, God so loved the world, he means the world. And the way that we act as messengers of reconciliation is by sharing that Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life. That reconciliation of the soul is available and found in the perfect life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, regardless of one's sin, background, economics, or the color of their skin. But when this message of reconciliation stops with only proclaiming the gospel with our words, we heard our representation of our King Jesus. This message of reconciliation that we have received as our own as Christ followers is not only to be proclaimed with words, but also demonstrated by how we love one another. Let us not forget what John 13, 35 says, by this will all people know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. 
And we as a church do not approach this issue of racism as something that is only to be addressed when there's a tragedy in the news, but as an ongoing work of bringing kingdom change by seizing the gospel opportunities the Lord places in front of us so that these tragedies do not happen in the future. And I praise God for the opportunities we have had as a church to love and to serve and to demonstrate the gospel to our community in this last year and a half being in this new facility. But as we know, there is so much more to be done. And it's going to take a collaborative effort of churches in this city so that equality is not a dream in this city and nation, but rather a reality. But I can tell you this, that Salem Chapel is going to do our part. And so many of you watching this are asking, what can I do? And I want to encourage you that one of the most important things that we need to do first is listen. A few days ago, I had the privilege to have a Zoom call with one of our mission partners, Derek Delane. And Derek served here as a pastor at Salem Chapel from 2011 to 2014. And he is planting a church in Nashville, Tennessee called Proclamation Church. He is loved in our church here at Salem Chapel. And I thought it would be very good to have a conversation with him on the gospel and race answering this question. How does the gospel speak to how we deal with racism as a follower of Jesus Christ. Now, this conversation is longer than a typical sermon that we preach here at Salem Chapel. So let me encourage you that if you cannot watch this all in one sitting, to make sure that you finish it at some point tonight or this week. So let me have you join in in our conversation. Well, Derek, I'm honored uh, for you to join me in this conversation that I believe is so important to the church. Yeah. Uh, obviously, I know you're extremely busy. You're you're getting ready to launch a church. You're meeting with your launch yeah, team. Yeah, man. You're, yeah, you're yeah. about to to move to Nashville. Your family's looking for a house. So if you're all the good this, stuff, man, <laughs> that's something you can pray for for the Delane family. Um, yeah, man. So, man, let me just say thank you, thank you for. Uh, joining me on this conversation and you are yeah. loved by the people of Salem Chapel. And yeah, man, so, well, listen, thank you. Thank you for, for having me. Thank you for uh, inviting me to, to be a part of this. Um, you know, one of the, one of the reasons why I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm here on this uh, is because of who, uh, who was asking and uh, who it was for, uh, man, we, we love Salem Chapel. Um, we love the people of Winston-Salem. Uh, that that city, that church will always have a special place in, in our hearts. Uh, that is where the Lord uh, sent me on the trajectory uh, uh, of, of ministry in ministry uh, to see a church plant. And now we're about to do that for, for ourselves. Uh, so Salem Chapel will always, always have a special place in our heart. So um, to, to be with you guys, even digitally, uh, is, is a blessing for, for me. So thank you very much, Johnny. I appreciate it, bro. Yeah, man. And listen, uh, you've heard me say this, but I want to say this publicly. You know, it's not lost on me. You served at Salem Chapel from 2011 to 2014, and yeah. you have left a legacy here for the uh, glory of God in Jesus Christ. And I, I stand on the shoulders of you and, and your family and so many others that have uh, served uh, before I got here, I've only been here three years. And so, uh, man, thank you so well, listen, much. Man, you, yeah, you got to surpass me then. So nah, <laughs> again, man, that, that, like you said, that's, that's all glory to God. Um, man, again, just 
been praying for Salem Chapel and seeing what God has been doing uh, through your leadership there. Uh, man, that's, that's the thing that I'm so excited about, God and who he is, right? He loves his church way more than we ever could. And we know that he's going to take care of it. And he's been doing that uh, through through your leadership, uh, through the people there. Um, so again, man, it's just, it's so cool to see, to peer in a little bit, even from afar, uh, as to what God is doing. He's, he's so good. Well, I appreciate that. Hey, I want to, I want to say this before we get started, because I think it's important uh, to say um, that it's, I think it's important our church hears this, that it is not the job of black pastors to speak to white mm-hmm. people about racism. Yeah. Um, that, that is, yeah. that is important. We have, we have God's word yeah. and God's yeah. word is clear on this subject. You don't even yeah. have to read past the first chapter of this Bible to see yeah. that, that every man and woman is made in the image of God. But Love it. I did think it was important because you have served here because, um, you know, you've, you've poured your life into this church and your family that yeah. I wanted people to listen, people of our church that know you. And there's a lot of people who will yeah. be watching this or watching this right now. And they're like, who the, who the heck is that? <laughs> right, yeah. right. Exactly. But I wanted yeah. really people almost to be able to like, listen in to our yeah. dialogue about how the gospel has the answers yeah. to how we deal with racism as a follower of Jesus Christ, knowing that we cannot talk about this topic and this issue that is near and dear to the Lord's heart in just one conversation. But Mm -hmm. it's important that this is part of our DNA as a follower of Jesus Christ to speak out against this when we see it. Um, man, that's good. That's good. And and if I can, if I can add to that, man, I, I appreciate you saying that because, you know, it's, it's not the job of, of, of black pastors to speak into every single issue of race that, that comes up. And uh, with that being said uh, as well, man, like as, as a black man speaking now in these conversations, man, like I, I can't speak for, for all black people. Right. I can't speak for every black experience here in, in America uh, that I, I can't, and that's not my job to. Uh, I can share what what I've been able to see and what what it's what it has been for for me and my family, you know, growing up and things like that. that I can I can speak to, um, but just kind of like you said, this is this is an ongoing thing. Um, you know what I what I tell our church, what I'm telling our church is that this is a discipleship issue, right? right. Like like this is this is what it looks like for us to look more and more like Jesus Christ, right? So uh, just having one conversation, like that's that's great. I'm thankful that we can have a conversation, but it is ongoing, just like it's ongoing to read the word of God. It's ongoing right. to, to pray. It's ongoing uh, to, to serve those in our community. This is an ongoing thing. Um, and just having one conversation, man, let this be the starting point to, to, to a lifelong journey of, of healthy, biblical reconcil- reconciliation as reconcilers, uh, the, the, the ministry of reconciliation that's been given to us by, by Christ Jesus. So yeah, thank you. Thank you for saying that, Johnny. I, I appreciate that, bro. Yeah, absolutely. And, and here's the thing, like I said, a lot of people in our church know you. So mm. what I would love first, Derek, is just for you to share what's on your heart yeah. What's the Lord been saying to you as for you sure. know, we're just in a, a very turbulent time in our yeah. country. And just what do you just giving you time at first just to share your heart and what do you want to say yeah. to our church at Salem Chapel and to whoever, whoever else may be 
maybe watch. Yeah, it. no doubt, no doubt. Well, man, I, I think I can. I, I know I just said I can't speak for everybody, but I feel like I should be able to say this, and this this, this hits on where everybody is right now. Remember, this is a sad time. Like let let's let's be real. This is this is really sad. Um, you know, I think you you have COVID nineteen, and then you know we're we're in our homes. All we do outside of work, we waste time on uh, social media, Facebook, Instagram, things like that, Twitter, right? To, to pass the time away because we've got nothing else to do. And we see the different things that are happening. You know, uh, we see the Ahmad Arbery. We, we see uh, the, the situation with, with uh, Amy Cooper, Breonna Taylor, George Floyd, right? Like we see these things and it's like, like for, 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 for minorities here in this moment, it's like, it's another reminder that things still aren't where they could and should be. But yet, but on the, on the flip side for, for our white brothers and sisters in Christ and white America as a whole, like it's, it's thrown in their face here because they, they can't look away. Right. right. COVID-19 has, has forced the hand that we can't, we can't look away. And so I think as a whole, we are, and, and uh, collectively Americans are at the point of like, all right, what in the world was going on? Like a, 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 enough of this, there's one section that's saying, man, enough is enough. And you have another section of like, oh, well, what, what do you mean? What's, what's going on? Like, what, how can I speak to this? What, what does change, change look like here? So you've got all these different things happening. Um, and, in, and in the midst of it, uh, as believers, Man, there's this there's this deep mourning and deep longing for for Christ to do something, right? Uh, right. Reminded of a, a Psalm uh, a Psalm 103, right? How long, oh Lord? Right. Like like what what is going on? Like my my soul is downcast right now. I'm seeing all this hurt and all this pain, and I'm and I I know you're God enough to change. Like you can you can change this stuff. Snap of your finger, right? Like you can you can do this, but it's not happening how long, how long? Mm -hmm. And man, I'm just, I'm just mourning and, and hurting and it's, and it's sad. Uh, and I'm seeing people come alongside, right? I'm man, man, God, God is good. I've seen people in this season over the last several weeks begin to say stuff and like repent of things, uh, and, and speak to things that they've never in their lives, never in their lives have said anything about, um, you know, the, the crowd that, you know, that would, you know, when <laughs> just being real, when um, I saw some friends who, you know, anytime someone would say, you know, hashtag Black Lives Matter, they'd be the first to jump in. I was like, well, no, all, all lives matter, right? Th those very same people are now like, you know what? I hear you. I, I get what you're saying. You've never said that all lives don't matter. It just really seems like here in this moment that, that, that Black lives historically seem to not matter here in, in America. Yeah. Um, and you know, that, that cry in itself, I, I had a friend say, you know, you know, it's not that black lives don't matter. Black lives mattered in, in America. Let's be real. Like, you know, uh, the country was built on the backs of, of black people. Right. So black lives have mattered. What that is communicating is like black lives just don't seem to be as equal as our counterparts. And that's, that's, the, that's the cry there. And that's what people are beginning to see. And so I'm thankful for that. And, you know, part of the reason why, you know, I wanted, I felt strong to, strongly to come, come in on here. And um, because like I said earlier, man, I, I love Salem Chapel. 
And not only that, man, I love Winston-Salem. Like, so I, I grew up in, uh, in Hamlet, North Carolina, which nobody knows where it is. And so <laughs> yeah, I don't know where college, that's at. <laughs> right. Nobody does. It's you, bro, you drive through, you blink and you miss it. Right. Um, so I tell people, I joke, a uh, population of 5,000 people and 20,000 deer. Like, it's like nothing out there. <laughs> and, but when I, when I went to college in Winston, like, I stopped telling people I was from Hamlet. And I would tell them, I'm from Winston-Salem, North Carolina. I, I love, I love that city. And, man, we have an opportunity. The city of Winston-Salem, just like a lot of other major cities um, in, in uh, North Carolina and the United States, man, we have an opportunity to see healthy change take place. But more importantly than that, we have an opportunity for the church to be the, the front runners in that change. Like if, if we've, again, if, if we have been giving the ministry of reconciliation by Jesus Christ, why is the church not leading in on the conversation? Right. Right. Why are we not like, uh, uh, we, we have the hope of Jesus Christ, Right. Because it's it's only the hope of Jesus Christ that's going to change hearts anyway to begin with. Legislation clearly can't. I mean, we can we can change legis- legislation, which it has happened, but legislation can't change hearts. Only only right. the gospel of Jesus Christ can do that's that. Right. And we, that's right. And we and we have that changed heart, and so we have the opportunity to step in and and speak to the 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 injustice. Right. Scripture calls us to to seek justice. Uh, and when we see injustice as believers, we look at that and I'm like, oh, oh, that's a that's a moment right there for me as a follower of Jesus to step in and speak to because this is what I'm called to do to seek justice, um, and that's and that's what it means to to to. I mean, yes, we are redeemed by Jesus Christ and 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 we follow Him and who He is, but then we seek to to redeem outside of us as as well. Um, in the church, we have that opportunity. And so, man, I'm, I'm passionate about that. I, I want to see that. I want to see that happen. Um, but not only do I want to see that happen um, for, for the church on the outside, but, but on the inside as well. Um, you know, and we could talk about this you know, later on, but something that I'm passionate about is the, the multi-ethnic church. Uh, right. There's a reason why I went to, went to Salem Chapel, right? Uh, and um, I mean, obviously we know, but just to be real, at the time when I was there, there weren't a lot of minorities there, right? Yeah. Um, I think I, I, I want to say I was the first minority hire at, at Salem Chapel. Um, and man, to, to be that, that front runner, I, I wanted to be that bridge. I wanted people that look like me to be able to step inside Salem Chapel, see me on stage, see me serving, see me doing some capacity. And they're like, oh, like I'm welcomed here because like my guy that looks like me over there is a part of this. Um, but the reality is we know that, and it's, there's still a lot of, you know, majority, you know, white churches, majority black churches, blah, blah, blah. What is it like for us to, to be a, a beautiful multi-ethnic church, right? We, we know the end game, right? We know Revelation 5, we know Revelation 7, we know what's coming. And it's a, it's a multi-ethnic kingdom of right. God. But that starts, it started back in, in Acts when there was this multi-ethnic church that, that began. Our, our larger cities, like our, our, the Triangle and, you know, and the Triad and uh, Nashville, where we're going, these metro areas are pockets, pockets of diversity all over. 
And so now the thing is like, well, there's no excuse for us to not be multi-ethnic. It's, it has nothing to do with legislation now, right? Like once upon a right. time, you couldn't, you couldn't be in church together. But now we have that opportunity and we have, we're under the banner of Christ Jesus. And so, man, when people peer into our churches and see diversity, right? When, when they're seeing those things happen, they're seeing that John 13 component of like, yo, like they know the unbelieving world will know that we belong to Jesus by the way that we love one another. And so if it's not happening in our churches, if the people of God aren't doing it, how in the world are we going to expect the, the outside world, the, the unbelieving world to get this right? Right. So, so we have to be the front runners in this. And so, uh, man, that's why I wanted to, to come on. That's why I wanted to be, be able to be a part of this conversation um, and, and, and lovingly, lovingly uh, challenge the people of, of Salem Chapel, to challenge the people, whoever's listening in on this, if they are, are a Christ follower, what does it look like for them to pursue this in their sphere of influence, on their platforms, in their neighborhoods, to see these things happen as followers of Jesus? So that's that's my heart from the from the very beginning. I know that no, man. To, no, no, no. Jump in that's on, so. that's exactly what I wanted you to do. And listen, we at Salem Chapel, man, we got a lot of we got a lot of work to do. Um, yeah, you know, and that's our heart is is to bring more color onto our leadership, um, yeah. to bring more color on stage for our mm-hmm. church to represent what heaven is going to look like, and. Yeah. Um, and so I appreciate you saying that and our church people to know that that's our heart and where we're moving forward. I mean, if you were to look at our church right now, you'd be like, yeah, man, everybody's white. What people don't understand is I'm actually half Hispanic. I just don't look it. Let them, let them uh, know, Johnny. <laughs> let them know. Um, let them but know. man, that's our, that's our heart. And I appreciate you articulating that um, mm. because, you know, we got to, we got work to do and it's more than, it's more than just what we say right now when yeah. the Facebook posts start to wane and, and, this, mm-hmm. and we move on from this place uh, is yeah. what, what we said at the get go, man, this is not a one, one off conversation. Um, it can't, and it but, can't be, it can't be. Right. Here's the second thing, um, man, is I've just thought about this, you know, as a pastor here, um, man, I've been, I, and just, just what I've seen, I think if we're, Often, if we're not careful, uh, mm-hmm. we can allow our upbringing, uh, mm-hmm. our environment, uh, our opportunities that we have had growing up to shape how passionately we mm-hmm. view the ugliness and the reality, because it's a reality, and the sin. Mm-hmm. And it's important that we call it what it is, the sin of racism. Mm-hmm. And, and we can allow those up, that upbringing of, of you know, you know, we, we, I'm sure we have some people who are watching this that are like, man, I didn't even have a person of color in my town. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that upbringing, that environment, uh, what opportunities we may or may have not do shape mm-hmm. how we, how we view our mm-hmm. current reality. But I think it's important rather than allowing those things to shape how we mm-hmm. view reality, understanding that we have a biblical mandate yeah. to speak out against racism and strive for equality in the no environments doubt. that God has sovereignly placed us. And we've talked about this before. Uh, this last mm-hmm. week, Brian Loritz, um, who has written a, a, 
a bunch of things on this. And I encourage you, if you're wanting some yeah. resources, just to go on Amazon and look at some of the things he wrote. But he said something, yeah. and we talked about this, that I felt like just encapsulated so simply, but so profoundly, how we think about this and put our put all of those things aside, backgrounds, opportunities, upbringings, those things aside, and really think about, mm-hmm. you know, God's word and mm-hmm. in this issue, and when we think about it, he said this, that God put in place three institutions. He ordained yeah. three institutions. He ordained the family. That's clear in Genesis 1 and 2. He ordained mm-hmm. the government. We see, we see God setting up that. And he also ordained and he put the institution of the church in place. Right. And I just thought, I thought, man, to have three buckets to think about, like how... Um, how we live out the gospel in each one of those institutions. How would you encourage, Derek, people to strive to live out the gospel in each of those institutions so that that we can be a part of the solution in dealing with the sin of racism? No doubt. Well, I want to, so again, um, just to reiterate, I think, I think you're, man, Brian Loritz, please <laughs> listen to listen to this guy. I've I've been following uh, Pastor Brian now uh, for nine years, nine years, um, and man, he has helped to shape so much of my understanding of the multi ethnic church. Yeah, me uh, as well. Yeah, Brian Loritz, uh, Derwin Derwin Gray, Albert Tate, Leon Crump, like all these guys have helped to shape my understanding. Uh, but to me, like Brian Lorenz, Brian Loritz is in my eyes is like the godfather of this. Um, even though he's not that 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 much older, um, but man, he's he's become just a, a a dear brother, a mentor of mine. Brian Loritz, please grab grab his stuff. But those those three things he said something in that in that video um, with the the three institutions, um, and I and I wrote I wrote it down um, in my notes because I thought thought what he said was was phenomenal. You know, and speaking about the the family, if you're a father or if you're a mother, you are the tenured professor of your home, and you have been called and ordained by God to the discipleship of your children and to release from your home children who will better their world for the glory of God, like. If we, like when we stop and think about that, right, many people, they grew up in environments where, you know, they didn't, they weren't, they weren't thought, they didn't think, had to think about this stuff. They weren't taught uh, from a right perspective. They may have been taught a, a poor perspective, right, where they had parents and grandparents and family members who, you know, they were, they were racist. Let's be real. They were racist. They, they said racist things. Um, and those are the environments that a lot of people have, have come up in. Now we have an opportunity to like, man, we can repent of those things, that type of upbringing, and then choose to break those chains to raise up our families, our kids in a right. way that they're going to be discipled. Right. Um, man, God keeps bringing Psalm 127 to mind, uh, for me in a couple, couple ways, but, um, and I might hit on it later on, but I'll at least speak on, on this one. The end of Psalm 127, it says, uh, like, like, um, um, like arrows in the hands of a mighty warrior. So are children given to you in the days of your youth. The context of that and an arrow in the hands of a mighty warrior, what are they doing? They're shooting those arrows out. They're shooting those arrows out. And what the psalmist is getting at, at we have an opportunity as parents, 
to, to shape those arrows, to sharpen the edges, to make sure that the, the, the feathers on the end are just, just right. So that when we send them out, man, they're culture makers, right? We've right. discipled them in such a way where they too are speaking out against these things. And so what does it look like for us to, to see our kids as, as opportunities to, uh, man, we're, we're teaching them that what we see in the news right now, it should break their hearts. We're teaching them that, man, People are, are protesting because of injustice that, that has happened uh, significantly in the minority context. Uh, these people are doing these things and saying these things because of X, right? What would it like for parents to have that conversation with them? And it's, man, it's awkward and it's hard oftentimes. Man, I, I have to have conversations with, with my kids. Um, so, you know, just to be real, my, uh, uh, I'm an interracial marriage my that means my kids are, are uh, biracial my daughter very similar to you johnny like you you besides her hair you wouldn't be you couldn't tell that she was she was uh mixed right um you would think that she's just a, a a white girl my son on the other hand he he's brown like me um and so man we have to have these conversations with them of you know hey like you have to think about these things as biracial individuals uh, but on top of that, man, you've got to think about this as followers of Jesus. Like what you see should break your heart. When you see someone, you know, mistreating someone at your school because of what they look or, you know, how what they think about, you know, their religion, whatever, like you have to speak out against that and not speak out to, to you know, start a fight or anything. But you're like, yo, like that's that's not OK. And and in and, and the family, we have an opportunity to to, to do that. To, to reshape their minds while at the same time reshaping our minds from what, you know, what we've come up in. Um, and so, man, that's what, that's what Brian was getting at um, in the, in the family component, um, being a learner and educating our, our kids. And when I think about the, the spectrum of the, of the government, um, man, this is something that my wife and I have been convicted of lately. Um, let's be real. It's easy to just, just vote straight party, right? And that, uh, and going back to the family piece, that's how a lot of us were raised. I mean, that's how nice. we were raised. Um, they're like, nah, like you go through, they for us, right? Right. And it's like, it's like, nah, like what would it look like? And this is something my wife and I uh, talked about um, back in uh, uh, when was it? I can't remember when we had this conversation. It was a while ago, but we've been living this out. What would it look like if I voted with my neighbor in mind? This is what I mean by that. Like, are there things specifically that I want for, for myself, right? Laws and things like that, that I want for myself, that I see for myself? Yeah, of course. But what would it like for me to vote with my neighbor in mind, right? The, the great commandment, like love God, right? And then love others like yourself. One of the most loving things that we can do is, is cast a ballot research, look in specifically and see what those people who were voting for, how do they think for not just me, but my neighbor, my neighbor. Mm-hmm. Um, and man, uh, Pastor Brian, you know, he goes into detail a little bit about, you know, the uh, 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 standing up for, you know, uh, justice and when it comes to abortion and things like that. He mentioned yeah. a little yeah. bit. Yeah. Talk, talk on that because I thought that was so good. Yeah. Yeah. About, I thought about I thought pro-life versus pro birth and what that means yes, yes. and what, uh, essentially what he was what he was getting at when he was saying that he's like a lot of times when we you know when we vote um and if if i may um i'll i'll be real here 
Um, what you see oftentimes in your your Republican Party is like, yo, we're 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 pro life, right? We're we're pro life, um, and oftentimes what what's communicated is like, nah, we're just we're pro birth, right? We don't want to see abortion, and we are we are on the same page there. We do not want to see that, right? But then when you go to the the the, the Democratic side, a lot of times you see a lot of their agenda and movement is uh, for for like pro-life and what i mean by life to see people flourish to uh, uh pro- like have the right type of health care and jobs and so on and so forth they are thinking about that and so what he was saying is you know there's this there's this pro-life movement that we say and oftentimes it's one or the other it's not the same right because we we know that there's a lot of democrat uh, uh tickets that they are they are for abortion Right. And we know there's a lot of Republican tickets that, you know, they are against abortion, but they don't really speak about like the flourishing piece. Right. We as followers of Jesus, man, that's a tension to manage because we are pro-life from uh, from womb to tomb. We want to see everything flourish We're 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 anti-abortion. We don't we don't want to see that life snuffed out. But in the same breath, we have to talk about, nah, when there's an injustice happening to grown people, grown men like and, and women, we've got to speak out against that. Pro, pro, let's, let's just say, let's not say that life, once life happens, then it's like, all right, figure it out. You, you got to do it like, nah, we've got to be all encompassed in, in all of that. There's this book that I'm reading. I wish I can remember the title of it now, um, but I was listening to... Um, uh, a Q, it was a Q conference that was, you know, back in uh, April or March, something like that. And uh, Tim Keller mentioned it. And man, I'm gonna find out what it is. And if people ask you, <laughs> I'm gonna let you Sounds know, good. and you can tell them. Um, but he talks about this very thing: how um, there are five things essentially that was a part of the Roman rule, and how like those very five things are still where we are. It was uh, uh, abortion. It was care for like the the widow and the orphan. Um, it was uh, um, oh, dang it. It was like uh, race issues. Um, oh, man, I'm so upset that I can't remember it now. Like I'm like I said, I'm I'm j- I'm just started reading it. And as you look at it, you're like, yo, like these are the same things that we're that we're talking about. And yeah. he said, what happens is like you had one party that was all for these, one party that was all for these, but we are missing out on the middle. And he was like, as Christians, we have to encompass all of that. We have to encompass it all. And I wish I could remember the five things because it speaks to that thing that that Pastor Brown was talking about and what we're talking about now as we think about 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 government as as a whole. But we, as Christians, we step into the ballot box. We think about these things from a Christian worldview. Guys, man, I'm, if you get an email about this, Johnny, I'm sorry. Um, and if I get an email, <laughs> That's I'm all not right. there, right? Um, man, we have to stop letting the political, uh, the political heads dictate how we think, right? Like, as as believers, you you held up the word of God. That is our that's our compass. That's our compass. And we have we have allowed people to manipulate the word of God in such a way to get a vote. We've had we've allowed people to take the word of God and 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 kind of shape it in such a way to where 
all they care is if they're going to get into, you know, their specific place. If I just say the right things, do the right things and pander a little bit, I'll be good. Um, and there's a, there's a group of, um, uh, believers, um, they've started kind of this organization called that, the and campaign. Um, I, I'm going to butcher this word, but the, the answer name and Amsterdam yeah. thingy, I can't remember how you, I know what word. you're talking about, but I don't know what it's called either. <laughs> good, good. So people are going to be looking at this like, what a bunch of dummies. <laughs> how, how are we supposed to be the, like, we, we, we speak for a living. How are we not going right. to know this? Anyway, I digress, but it's the and campaign. And man, they, they just put out resources. They, they got a book coming out later on this, um, I think this summer sometime, where they're like, man, as Christians, this is how we think about these things. This is how we navigate these, these worlds. Um, and man, don't get me wrong, I, I, it's tough. It is so tough. Um, and, but it goes back. That's how we were ingrained to think. That's kind of what our, our family lines were and you know what they taught and so on and so forth. Um, but again, we have to let the word of God begin to dictate a little bit. Um, man, I, I didn't mean to go on that on that political um, soapbox there. Um, like I said, if you get emails, I apologize about that. That's no, no, not no. My, my end goal. What um, about um, what else? You know, you already talked about the church a little bit, and and, and that's just, I was just, just about to get just to being it. just being intentional mm-hmm. that uh, that we strive that our churches reflect yes. what the kingdom yes. of God's going to look like. But what else, what else do you want to say on, on that institution? Yeah, I do. I do want to speak about the church and I, I did hit on like the beauty of the, the multi-ethnic church, but here's man, this is what I've been trying to communicate to a, a lot of people. This is what I'm communicating to our launch team. Um, I think oftentimes when we have conversations of, about race, race, racial issues, man, Again, we have allowed people to hijack the conversation and say, well, you know, well, this is Marxist ideology or this is, you know, socialism or whatever the case may be. It's like, man, let's put that aside. Let's open up the word of God and then let that dictate how we how Mm -hmm. we think. This is what I mean by that. You said it yourself at the very beginning of scripture. We see man's made in the image of God. We fast track to Genesis 11. What happens with those image bearers? God tells them, tells them to like spread out, be fruitful, multiply. They're disobedient. They begin to build the Tower of Babel. So God's like, all right, cool. You ain't going to listen. I'm, I'm diversifying your language, right? They can't understand. So he has to force their hands to be obedient, right? They go out, they become fruitful and multiply. Next chapter, Genesis 12. Who, who do we see come on the scene? Abram. God's like, hey, Abram. Like through you, through you, many nations are going to be blessed. Through you, many people are going to come and create this new family, right? Fast track to um, the prophets where they're talking about this. Like it's 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 this this coming Messiah, this coming Savior that is going to give us this this uh, heart of stone and turn into a heart of flesh, so that we can be made right, so that we can be this new family. Fast forward to, to Jesus and the Gospels, and what do we see happen? Jesus comes and he makes this a reality. As soon as we get out of the Gospels and we get into the book of Acts, what's the very first thing that we see? They're waiting. The Holy Spirit comes in Acts chapter 2. They go out and they start preaching. And what are they preaching? They're speaking in tongues and different languages. And all these people are like, yo, like they're speaking the Gospel in my native tongue. 
and 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 Peter's like, "Yep, this is what Jesus said he was about to do." And then you fast forward to the the end of chapter two, and what does it say about this new church? There's these new individuals who all spoke different languages. What does it say? It says they had everything in common. They ate together. They broke bread together. When when people were in need, they distributed so that those people who were in need didn't weren't in need anymore, right? We fast forward to the, the epistles when Paul is talking about how do we operate in this new family because we understand that with new culture coming in together that there's going to be a lot of division. It's going to be easy to, to divide. Ephesians 4, he says, it, uh, or excuse me, Ephesians 2, he says, well, I, I, God like broke down the dividing wall of hostility. So now you are united, right? We've got this, this new man created, this new family created. Ephesians 4, be eager to maintain the unity that Christ Jesus purchase for you because it's going to be easy to be divided when you're all here and there and everywhere. Ephesians yeah. 4, be unified in who Christ Jesus is and what he has done for us. Fast forward to Revelation 5 and 7, and that's when we see the kingdom of God, right? So yeah. this is like, it's all throughout scripture. This isn't like, this isn't some political agenda. This isn't, yeah, some, you know, this, it's, 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 it's the Bible. It's, it's what Jesus came to, to die for, to, to create this, this new family. And I, I tell people all the time, man, the church isn't like a family. The church is a family, right? And so when me as your black brother, when I see something in the news and I'm sad and I'm hurting and I'm crying, that is an opportunity for my white brothers and sisters to Romans 12, 15 me to come in and, and weep with me and mourn with me and to walk with me in this. And a lot of times we see it and like on the news and like, well, that's, that's that problem over there. That doesn't concern me. No, 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 no. This is a church, church issue. Right. We are. Um, my dog is trying to jump in on me. That's all right. <laughs> um, he was just saying a, amen, man. That's he was all. saying amen. He was, <laughs> um, what, what we see is this is a this is a universal church thing. Right. Let me let me let me break it down a little bit here real quick. We have elevated the little C church over the big C church. This, this is what I mean by that. Um, we have made the Salem chapels, the proclamation churches, the summit churches, right? Like it's like we focus primarily on the little C churches that we have, but the reality is like, we need to think bigger, the big C church, right? We're, we're quick to send missionaries overseas, right? To see the, the church flourish. But how, why is it that when something like this happens and there are people who are hurting and crying their brothers and sisters in Christ were mourning that it, it takes so long for a response to happen from, from our white brothers and sisters here in this moment. That's an opportunity for us to step in and be the big C church. Because going back to what I said earlier, the unbelieving world is watching. Those who aren't followers of Jesus, they're watching. And Jesus says, people are going to know that, that you guys belong to me by the way that you love one another. And one of the ways that we love each other is to, is to mourn with each other here in these moments, is to step aside and, and, and cry, like set my, my feelings aside here. And like, man, I'm here, I need to listen here. I need to weep with this person. And this is what it means for the church to be the church. This is what it means for us to, uh, to, to seek justice, to seek the welfare of the city, to step in and be like, all right, what the heck is going on? And how can I come in and be a, a, a reconciler? If we have the ministry of reconciliation, 
what does it mean for me to step in and, and see those things uh, uh, come to come to fruition? Um, so, man, that's how I see it. That's how I think about it in the in the church spectrum. And um, I think what Pastor Brian was was kind of getting at a little bit when he was when he was talking about that. No, that's good. I mean, if people, you know, people who are watching this uh, who are a part of Salem Chapel, you hear us say this that the work that God has called us to do, the gospel work, that's, that's, we say, we say in our mission statement, representing the gospel of Jesus Christ to every man, woman, and child. And that word represents means to speak and act on delegated authority. That's what that word means. So we have a responsibility as the little C, but the reality is, is we, if we are going to see gospel change happen in our city, Mm-hmm. It can only be Salem Chapel's responsibility. We need to right. work at collaboration with other yeah, churches good. that believe in the same gospel, uh, the same gospel that says Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through Him Preach. and the Preach importance that. of that. Uh, just a couple other things I want to say, because I don't want to move off of this just yet, and just sharing, like mm-hmm. when I watched... Um, and just thinking about those three institutions, mm-hmm. what really struck me um, in what because I, fro- I follow Brian on on Instagram, and it was what we're ref- what bro- what what Derek and I are referring to was on an Instagram story of his, and we're not trying to elevate Brian over the Word of God when we're God. saying yeah, this. We're just saying case. that he helped he he helped me. I'll speak for me. He helped me just be able to think through it in the lens of God's word and what God gave us, family, Mm -hmm. government, church. I thought what struck me is, is when we think about the family and discipling, we always think, and it's not a bad thing. It's an important thing. We think of it on a soteriological front, which is, Mm -hmm. which is on, on how do we teach the kids the gospel, which is important. I mean, the whole title of this talk is the gospel and race. I mean, we need to Mm -hmm. see this through the lens of the gospel because the part of living out the gospel is dealing with this issue of racism. But what I thought was good is he says, when, when when we talk about discipling our kids, it's not just, man, I need to tell my kids about Jesus and his love for them. And listen, I'm not minimizing that. That is the most important yeah, that's, thing that's that we vital. share with them. Yeah. That's, that's the foundation that's at the center. Or, man, how do I develop my kids to have a quiet time with the Lord? Absolutely important, essential. But how am I also not just discipling them soteriologically, mm-hmm. but also anthropologically, and, 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 and looking at it on, on on that front. And I think, I mean, for me, just the way that he said that honestly was a challenge to me is, mm-hmm. is how am I looking for opportunities to continue to disciple my kids, Lily and Lucas, mm-hmm. to, to see, truly see, and to speak out when they see the image of God in someone being pressed down or, mm-hmm. or cast aside. And, um, and so that, that was a, that was a big piece. That, that was a, yeah. that was just super, super important for me to think through. And I think for a lot of our people in our church that are passionate, man, they want to disciple their kids, but not looking yeah. at it, looking at it in a holistic way, 
yeah. in the way that God's word speaks. The two greatest commandments, like you said, Matthew 22, 37 through 40, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul and all your mind and love your neighbor as yourself. Yeah. Man, come on. If the church in America would have just lived out those two verses, bro, uh, so, so you'd be in uh, a different Duke, place. <laughs> so Duke, Duke Kwan, Duke Kwan, um, uh, make sure I s- slow it down. Duke Kwan, he's uh, an Asian Asian theologian. Man, he said something uh, in a, a, a Q talk. I keep referencing Q um, a while ago. Um, and he said, he said, man, could you imagine if 300 years ago, if the church got this right, what would be what our society would look like today? Um, because I mean, let's let's be real. Like, I'm not again, just want to speak grace and truth. The, the church was a part of this centuries ago. The church was implicit in, in racial systems. They, they were. Um, I mean, the largest uh, Protestant denomination uh, in America, the, the Southern Baptist Convention, started over a slave issue where, yeah. you know, and most people could, don't know that. Most and people, no, don't, most know people that. don't know that. Most people don't know that. Could could uh, missionaries be slaveholders was the was the issue. And they split on that. And now the Southern Baptist Convention, they have since repented over those things. Right. Um, but there's still repercussions of, of decisions made. And he was saying, man, if the church got this right, could you imagine what it would look like now? Here's here's my prayer that I've been praying recently. Uh, we didn't get it right 300 years ago, but we have an opportunity here in this moment for for such a time as this to to get it right now, so that you know if the Lord sees fit to tarry, that 300 years from now, the church is the one that is bringing about true peace, true restoration, that as companies like, like, like Apple and, and, you know, uh, all the, all the companies you can think about, right. If, if those companies are looking at the church as the model of healthy diversity, healthy like, uh, conversations like this, uh, uh, healthy interaction, uh, they're looking at the church and regardless if they hold to the tenets of the faith that we do, the, the gospel of Jesus Christ, they, they're like, yo, if we're going to do anything, we need to think about how the church is doing this and try to outdo them, right? Like, it, it shouldn't be the other way around where we're trying to outdo the companies. Like, no, like, they need to look at us. But we have an opportunity now to go forward um, in, in that. Um, but I do think it begins having conversations about like this. Um, and think it through those, those three lenses, those three buckets, if, if you will. So here right now, I'm about to, um, I just feel like the Lord wants me to say this right now, because when we have these conversations like we're having mm-hmm. and continue to have, and, and the reality is, is, you know, people that are watching this, you need to be doing this with people of different backgrounds than you, different colors than you across the table, um, yeah. in coffee shops, whenever yeah. we can do that again, uh, yeah. you know, you know, that, not on Facebook, not on those, yeah. t- but, but having dialogues like that. But before we can, before it, we can ask the question, who's coming to church, we need to ask the question, who's coming over for dinner. We need to that's right. that. That's a good Go one. Ahead. I'm sorry. Um, no, that's good. Um, we can, you know, anybody can tweet that. Um, <laughs> I think, I think, um, I just feel led to say this because I think in these conversations, sometimes if people are coming, um, 
from a different perspective or a different background or a different upbringing and they're feeling even the tension and what we're talking about and, and trying to, to really, let's look at God's word. Let's look at how that's the lens in which we see this and we're challenged and we feel that tension. We can sometimes uh, make conclusions on what we are saying. And we didn't say that. Mm -hmm. Um, And and so what we're not, what, let me, let me be clear and let me speak to those that, that, may be thinking about this. And this is why I felt led of the Lord to say it. Cause I'm like, I can, I can almost feel people's minds. Some people's minds turning this way. We are not talking about a social gospel in this conversation. Mm-hmm. We are talking about, listen, the only way that, that, that this issue is resolved is by the Lord changing a person's heart. And that happens by someone placing their faith and trust in Jesus Christ as their Lord and savior. We, Derek and I both believe in that wholeheartedly. If he didn't believe that he wouldn't be going and planting a church in Nashville. And, and I wouldn't be here at Salem chapel, but at the same time, we also have to understand that it's not just, the words, the truth that we proclaim with our mouth, which is essential because that's the message of the gospel. But if I am not living out the message of the gospel and what Jesus has called me to do, which is why we mentioned those two commandments, love the Lord, your God, mm-hmm. with all your heart, soul, and mind, love your neighbor as yourself. Then my life is counterintuitive to the message that the Lord has entrusted to me, second Corinthians right. five. And I am actually hurting what the Lord has called me to do as a messenger of reconciliation. So I just want to say that I want to say that as clearly as possible. I want to, um, to make sure that, that people who are like, man, I'm feeling this tension. That's good. But also not to think that we are saying something that we are not. No, no, we're, we're not saying that, man. We, we do these things because of how we have been changed. That's right. I told you I was going to go back to Psalm 127, right? Yep. Uh, Go for it. At the very beginning of Psalm 127, it says, unless the Lord builds the the house, the laborers labor in vain. Unless the watch, uh, unless the Lord, he goes into this. And what I I love it because he says, all right, he's not, he's not saying that the worker isn't supposed to work. He's not saying that the watchman is not supposed to watch. He's not saying any of those things. However, what he is saying, apart from, who God is and his sovereignty and his goodness and working in and through us, the work is in vain. We can only step into this because we have first been stepped into. Does that make sense? Like absolutely Christ, Christ has redeemed and transformed us, right? That's, that's the, that's the horizontal beam of the cross. But now we need to focus on that, that vertical, beam or uh, excuse me excuse me vertical beam of the cross now we focus on the horizontal um and that horizontal is the 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 ministry of reconciliation um man we we've been reconciled that's the only reason why we can step into this and and apart apart from christ it is in vain um what what does james say in in his book faith without works is is dead he's not saying that we're saved by works like don't don't hear that Going out here and, you know, uh, uh, speaking out for the uh, for the vulnerable and, you know, those who are uh, facing injustice, that ain't that ain't on what saved you. Right. Even if you say you're doing it in the Lord's name, 
we we know it. Uh, uh, what's that passage in Matthew? But Lord, Lord, we did all these things. In yeah, Matthew twenty-five. Yeah, twenty-five. You know, I ain't. I don't know who you are. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> right? Like it's we operate in this because we've been transformed. That's right. Not to, not to earn God's love for or anything like that. We are as loved as we will ever be because of what Jesus has done for us. That 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 is that's final. We are as holy as we're ever going to be. We're as righteous as we're ever going to be. We're we're as changed as we're ever going to be. In the it, because of the blood of Jesus Christ, and it's that tension of the already not yet, right? All that, all those right. things. But in that, but in that work, right? Like we've been, we have that faith, we have been changed, and so now we we step into to action because we're working as as unto the Lord, not unto men. We're trying to do this to bring Him glory, not ourselves, so on and so forth. I'm sorry. No, man, that's good. That's good. I mean, listen, I. I I'm the one that started that conversation. So yeah, um, you did. I just, don't, don't, I, get I think, me, don't get me preaching, bro. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's important. I think it's important that people, people hear what we are saying and we clarify. We weren't saying that, but I just, I know how the enemy likes to work and he likes right, to put those. Yes. Yeah. So yes. let me, let me, um, I mean, time goes by so fast when we're talking about this, but, but here's, I just want to do two, two more things. One, I want to, I want to ask this question that I'm sure everybody's asking right now. People have already been asking uh, me about it. Uh, And the question is, what can I do? Right. Mm -hmm. That's the thing. What can I do to be part of the solution? Which I think is a great question. And you know, I've said this to our church, I'm thankful for the opportunities God has already given us as a church to press into the community that God has placed us. But obviously, mm-hmm. there's much more to do. We've just scratched the mm-hmm. surface. But Derek, what words of wisdom would you give yeah. to maybe help answer that question? What can I do to be part of the solution? Like, where, where do people begin? What, what, yep. what? Just, just share with us yeah, what, yeah. what your thoughts are on that. I'm gonna give you. I'm gonna give you three L's um, because uh, I'm I'm Baptist by nature, right? <laughs> um, so three L's here. Um, and first, we need to we need to listen, right? Uh, there's there's a lot of stuff going on right now. A lot of people are hurting. What does it look like to step in into those spaces and listen? Um, you know, I think I think a lot of times, let's if I if I may, uh, we're seeing a lot of the the uh, the protests turning into riots looting um man listen i would say that we both like condemn that like no for we, sure the the, yep. the 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 rioting and the, the the destruction of property man no like that's that's not the move right there however before we begin to critique that we need to ask why did it get to the point where people are doing that like what's happening that they got to that to that spot um and that's where the the listening comes into play, right? Before we jump to the, the conclusions, let's let's listen. The second thing that I feel like we do, because what happens out of the listening, when you really begin to listen out of a posture of wanting to, you know, get it, um, you lament, you lament. Um, and what I mean by that, man, it should it should break our hearts that right. time and time and time again, this stuff is happening. Uh, it should break our hearts that time and time and time again uh, that that minorities have been saying something and and my white brothers and sisters have not been listening 
they've been dismissive. They've been apathetic. And I don't, I don't say that to be rude or, or mean or anything. That's just what's been communicated over, over the years. Um, and that man, we should now lament in this point of like, golly, like I've been, I've been out of the game for so long in, in, in ways I've been kind of, you know, in, in implicit in some of this stuff, like, I'm, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. And, and sit in that, right. Going back to Psalm 103, asking God, how long, like my heart breaks for this. When are you going to step in Lord? When are you going to provide respite? When are you going to come in and, and lament with people who, who are hurting? So listening, lamenting and, and out of those things leads to learning. Like, what does it look like to be a learner now? Um, you know, and I think that, man, I think a lot of times, uh, and <laughs> there have been people that reach out to me for, for how many people reach out to you, Johnny, multiply that by like 25, bro. Um, <laughs> I've had so many people hit me up, right? Because, you know, I'm, I'm their, their black friend or whatever the case may be. Um, and man, I'm, there's a piece of me where I'm thankful that they finally want to learn, but at the same time, holy cow, is it exhausting. Um, and there's resource after resource after resource online. Uh, people are posting things on social media. Uh, we walk around with like computers in our pockets, right? Like we can, we can Google these things and figure out, man, what are people saying? People have been talking about this for, for a long, long, long time. What does it look like to be a learner in, in those things? Um, and man, I think, I think in that, what we'll begin to see, we can create uh, biblical worldviews on, on this stuff, right? Um, and I would, I would take it a little bit further in the sense of not just learning in the, in the race capacity, but what is it like to learn from, from leaders, uh, preachers, Christians of color, just on the everyday things of discipleship, right? I think it's easy to, you know, jump to the Tim Kellers and, you know, uh, the John Pipers of the world. Uh, but, you know, are there, are there minority leaders that you're learning from, that you're podcasting, that you're reading, all these different things? Um, so I would, I would say those things. But, um, uh, but finally, uh, there's, there's a fourth thing. It's not, it doesn't start with an L, so I guess I'm not that Baptist. Um, <laughs> but I would, <laughs> I would say speak out. Um, we, we all have a platform here in this moment, um, you know, and I'm not just talking about platform like a, like a Facebook thing, right. um, but we all have positions that we've been put in, mom, dad, employer, employee, uh, neighbor, person, the gym, whatever. We all have a specific platform here that we have an opportunity to then use that platform to challenge in healthy ways. When we see or hear different things in those spheres, be willing to step out and call it out, right? When we're, when we're at the cookouts with the family members, the Thanksgiving and Christmases, and people are saying things out of pocket, right? What did, what did Paul do to Peter um, when, when Peter, he was, he was eating that, that, you know, that bacon and, and ribs. Yeah. And then when the other <laughs> Jews came around, you know, he wiped his mouth and started condemning them. And, and Paul came and he was like, he said, nah, bro, like you had a line with the gospel. I, he said, he said, I had to check him to his face because he was, he was out of step with the gospel. How, how amazing would it be if, if brothers and sisters in, in Christ, when they see family members or coworkers or people, like I said, in their sphere, when they saying things out of pocket, that we check them to their face in, in grace and truth. I'm not right. out here saying start these Facebook riots and wars. That's not helpful. But you're like, hey, man, do you, do you understand how what you said could be harmful if, if you know, a minority of person of color heard that? 
and like throw the ball in their court, right? And and let them squirm a little bit. And I'll be honest, man, those conversations are hard. I, I get it. Um, but those are the things, those are things that we can begin to do um, to, to see change. And man, it's like, it's, it's one step at a time. Like, how do you, how do you eat a big old steak, right? You cut off a piece and eat it at a time. I'm not saying attack the world. Um, don't, don't, you know, gun go, gun ho, guns blazing, right? It's like, nah, like I can influence what I can influence and be okay with that. God has placed you in those environments for a reason. In the same way that he wants to see those people come to know Jesus, right? Those, those relationships, you know, who's, who's far from God, but close to you, that type of mentality. In the same way he's given us that mandate, he, this is included in that. Who, who, who do we have in our immediate circles that we can begin having these conversations with um, to, to challenge them and some of their, their, their thinking? So, man, that's what I would say is some things to, to do. Um, but if I can, final, man, pray again. Unless yeah. the Lord is in it, we're doing it in vain. Um, right. Man, asking God to give us the strength and the wisdom and the word to say, asking him to change legislation, asking him to change hearts, um, crying out to him to see uh, restoration come about. Um, we have to be asking him to, to do these things. All of this should be soaked in prayer. Yeah. Yeah. Pray that, pray that God gives us wisdom to seize, like you're saying, what I like to call divine appointments. Yes. You know, yeah. I got a lot of things, a lot of appointments on my calendar, but right. uh, let me always make room for those divine appointments and not miss out on those. Um, man, as you were talking, Derek, um, you know, I've had a lot of people, I've even been on my social media this week trying to post different books that I have read that uh, in, in addition to the book, let me not leave mm-hmm. that out um, because God's word is the greatest book on how to combat yeah. Um, yeah. these issues that we're talking about. But I feel like if there's a book that someone could start off with and, and uh, I haven't had the privilege to meet this individual you have, but I would yeah. say what the book one blood by John Perkins yeah. Um, and so I just, I went to Amazon before we got on this zoom call. And so I know it's there, uh, but yeah. one blood by John Perkins. And then I was thinking, man, a, a message series that I felt like was so good on this topic coming from someone that believes that the gospel is the answer. Like you and I, Derek is Tony Evans did a series. I don't remember how long it was ago called oneness. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, yeah. and it and he was, actually, he actually excellent. wrote a book. Yeah. Yeah. So he wrote a book in conjunction to that series Perfect. called Oneness Embraced, Oneness yeah. Embraced, Dr. Tony Evans. And man, and he, so he's going back. He's one of the theologians. Like he's not just talking about race stuff. He's talking about some other issues, book, oh, yeah. book on just, you know, uh, biblical principles for us as, as disciples yeah. of Jesus. Um, but Oneness Embraced, man, that, that book is, is just as powerful. And both, both Dr. Perkins and Dr. Evans, uh, both of those guys have, have collabed. They've, yeah. they've done, they've been in things <laughs> together. Um, and these guys are, are powerhouses in our, in our time. And praise God. Yeah. And I just, um, man, within the last, maybe it's been a year, six months, uh, Tony Evans came out with a uh, commentary on the whole Bible, a study Bible. Oh, I, bu- I bought that. It. Yeah, I bought that. Oh, that my gosh. Just it's a great resource because I think, mm-hmm. I think it's just so important, like you said, to educate ourselves. Yeah. Here's the last thing, Derek. I mean, um, you know, our time here has been longer than a message, but it's important. And, and yeah. uh, 
is, you know, you're planting a church in Nashville. Uh, you know, we've talked, I'm going to, we're going to try to work out a date to get you here before the summer's over, um, to, to preach to our church, but just share a little bit, you know, and, and you'll have the opportunity to do this in person, but share a little bit because there's some that won't, you know, that, like I said, that are tuning in because we're all online right now um, yeah. all over the country and share with you what your vision is for the church yeah. um, that you are starting, um, yeah. how they can get more information on your church, how they can be no a doubt. partner and what's no going doubt. on in your church if, if that's where the Lord leads them. So just share a little bit about that as, as we yeah. wrap it up. For sure, for sure. So we're, we're planting Proclamation Church uh, in Nashville, Tennessee. As a matter of fact, my family and I were moving there at the end of this month. Um, and man, our hope is we want to go to Nashville uh, to, to make Jesus known in Nashville into the, into the world. We want to proclaim the excellencies of Christ Jesus. Um, and we want to do that specifically uh, in, in four ways. Make, uh, follow Jesus and make him known in four ways. And we want to be a church that engages all people. Uh, man, from the gate, we want to be a multi-ethnic church because we truly believe that in a city like Nashville, they need to see what healthy, biblical, multi-ethnic ministry looks like. Um, and so, man, we want to be a church that engages all people, no matter race, age, socioeconomic status, whatever. They matter to Jesus, so they should matter to us. So we want to engage all people. We want to grow as the family of God. Like I said in this, the church isn't like family. The church is family. So right. what is it like for us to be a family in Nashville, Tennessee? We want to go to others because Christ Jesus came for us. That is that is us stepping into their hurts, their, their highs, their lows with the hope of Jesus Christ, going to them because he came for us. And finally, we want to be a church that proclaims Jesus and not ourselves. It's easy for us to boast in our gifts, our, our, you know, our, our, you know, things that we do, so on and so forth. But the reality is we have those things because of Jesus and who he is. And so we want to be gospel centered in everything that we say and we do. And so, man, we're just trying to be obedient to follow him and, and make all those things a reality to, to people in, in, uh, in, in Nashville. And so, um, man, we've got a website up. It's called Proclamation TN, as in Tennessee, ProclamationTN.com. Um, we are on, we're on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. Um, and I'm like, my email address and everything is on there. So people can, you know, if they're interested in getting some more information, I put out a newsletter, uh, every other month. Um, so I can just kind of let people know how they can be praying for us, things like that. Perfect. Um, and so those are ways that people get connected to us. Everything for the most part is proclamation underscore TN, um, on all of our, our social media platforms. Um, so it's easy, uh, for people, people to find us. Man, that's great. That's great. Yeah, man. Um, I just want to speak just for a moment to people that are on the other side of this screen. And, and, and we do this, we do this every time we, we close out our service is just giving an opportunity for people to respond to the gospel, because here's what we know. Some people are tuning into this conversation because people have shared it on social media or different things like that. And, and, uh, man, I just want to say, I'm so glad that you've tuned in. If that is you and you've never tuned into a church online before. And, mm -hmm. and so I just want to say to those of you out there, thank you so much for tuning in. And what I want you to know, and I know what Derek wants you to know, and more importantly, what Jesus wants you to know is that he loves you. He lived, he died, he rose again for your sin that you and I can never be good enough to be accepted by a holy, perfect God on our own. But Jesus Christ, God in the flesh came and he came for every man, woman, and child. And Revelation 3.20 says, 
about Jesus that he stands at the door and he knocks. And it says, if anyone hears my voice and opens that door, that the Lord will come in and have relationship with you. And Romans 10, 9 and 10 says, if you confess with your mouth, the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved for with the heart with my life, one believes and is justified. I'm made right with God when I believe that Jesus Christ lived, died, and rose again for my sin. And with the mouth, one confesses and is saved. And so if you're on the other side of this screen and you're like, man, I, I am broken over this. Uh, maybe you're a person of color and you're just grieved by this and, and, and you just don't know where to turn. The beautiful thing is, is Jesus can identify with your pain. He meets you in your pain and he's provided the solution. He's His love is greater than any love that we'll experience. And That's so good. my prayer for you and his and the Lord's desire for you is that you would place your faith and trust in Jesus Christ today. And all you need to do is call out to him, say, Lord, forgive me of my sin. I place my trust in you as my Lord and Savior. And what I just read in Romans 10, 9 and 10, man, you will be saved. And for those of us who are followers of Jesus Christ, for those of us who are a part of the Church of God, capital C, or a part of Salem Chapel, man, I want to just encourage you to do those things that we talked about, man, to, mm-hmm. to listen, um, to, to uh, lament, to grieve. Man, we miss out. We miss that part of what God's Word yeah. tells us to do is to grieve and we see sin and to learn. Um, but then also, man, listen, it isn't like now we're going to do something in the community. I want you to know Salem Chapel has been doing things in this community since we've been in this building a year and a half. And you can go to our website, SalemChapel.org, and you can see ways that you can get involved in the community that God has placed us uh, and to continue to do the work that God has called us to do, to proclaim the gospel, but also to demonstrate it with our actions. So Derek, let me pray for you, man. Let me pray for our church. And uh, thank you again so much for just giving of your time and uh, speaking to speaking to family this morning here at Salem Chapel. Yeah, man. God, I, I thank you. So, thank you again. Yeah. God, I thank you so much that we have had this opportunity, uh, Lord, mm-hmm. not to talk about all the facets of this topic, but to begin to cause us to be reminded of yeah. how your word speaks to this. For for many of us, we just need to be reminded because we know this. For others of us, Lord, this may be the first time that we've thought this way. And so, God, I thank you for that. And, and maybe for others, Lord, they are tuning in and they're searching. And, 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 Lord, they don't have a relationship with you. And, God, as we said, I hope that they would place their trust in you today as your Lord and Savior. But, God, I pray for Derek and his family and his children as they mm-hmm. look for a home to where they can be settled so that they can be a light in Nashville as their core team of 60 some people are moving to Nashville. God, I pray that you would just build your church in that place. Lord, we know that you are going to do an awesome work through the sacrifice of the Delane family. Thank you for Salem Chapel and being able to be a part of that and get behind them in that. But Lord, I pray that you would just continue to protect them, provide for them. Uh, Lord, give them peace, give them safety, encourage them and their team. And God, thank you for this conversation that we were able to have today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.